You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Hey everyone, welcome to our Speed City Holiday Special. I hope you've had a great 2017 season and we're all looking forward to what should be a fascinating 2018 motor racing year. For our holiday special, we're going to look back and look to the future of motorsport and what a year it's been. And I want to kind of do it in chronological order and take you back to one of the biggest races on two wheels in the United States, the Daytona race, the Daytona 200, which is storied for bike racers. All the greatest bike racers have competed there and won. And probably Mr. Daytona was Scott Russell. But if Scott Russell had a protege, he would be this man, no question about it about it. They're good friends. And Danny Eslick is now moving very much into the territory of Mr. Daytona himself because he did something quite unique in 2017. Here's our chat with Danny Eslick winning very specially in the Daytona 200. And here's John Massengale and Les Kaiser and myself as we talk to Danny Eslick. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, we're, we're, we're live on Facebook. We're going to stand up and applaud you, my friend. We are standing up in the studio live on Facebook because, wow, man, the Talk first man in history to win on three different manufacturers. No Kenny Roberts, no Scott Russell has ever done that. You did it, my friend. Oh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, I don't even know if it's set in yet. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. We had a, a great weekend, and... You know, obviously to come back and uh, win it after, uh, you know, the incident last year, uh, you know, just, just couldn't ask for a better weekend and a better way to come back and, uh, you know, put that stamp in the books and uh, and get that victory. I mean, there was, uh, I wish I would have had a little better battle with, with Barney there at the end. Uh, you know, he was fast all week and he really put the whooping on us in qualifying and, and he was definitely a serious player in the, in the race. And, you know, unfortunately, I think they had a little bit of problems in the pits and, uh, he cramped up or whatever happened and and uh, you know Corey West was up in there and Kyle Wyman and it was you know we had a good battle all the way to the checkered flag I was going to so say nobody was for a better race nobody was cutting you any slack at all and I don't blame him I mean you don't you just can't give it to Danny here Danny no. you know it's a uh, it just amazes me I mean, what you've accomplished to be serious about well, it th- thank you thank you that means a lot and uh, you know nobody was cutting me any slack I mean um, you know, right from the get-go, there's, uh, there was a lot of other guys, you know, besides Barney and, and uh, Corey West. I mean, there's Valentin DeBeast and uh, uh-huh. Kyle Wyman. I mean, he, he, whenever he passed me, I remember we were in the first stint somewhere and he came by. I was like, man, where did you come from? I didn't realize he was even in the group with us, but it was good to see uh, good to see Wyman up in there mixing it up for the lead until they had some issues, I think, in the, in the pits as well, you know, which... You know, it just goes to you know goes to show you how how hard my crew worked. The TOBC Yamaha guys worked their butts off. We signed up for some of the club races, um, you know, before the 200, and we used it as pit stop practice. We were, you know, we didn't complete a single lap across the the start finish line. We were, you know, we did the start of the race, and then we came into the pits. You know, came in hot like we practiced for, uh, you know, we're practicing for the race, and it was 
you know, it really paid off. I mean, it, it paid off tremendously in the pits. My guys absolutely did a flawless job. And you can't really win them in the pits, but you can sure lose it in the pits. Yeah, that is so true. And and, and for those of you who don't know, TOBC Racing, of course, racing currently in Moto America, and they will be again with Danny this year. But it is the little team that can. It's fantastic what you guys achieved together. And, and what you've done at the Daytona 200 is, is just sen- I'm sensational. Say- Danny has no excuse for ever being late again. Three Rolex Daytonas. Watches. <laughs> hey, yeah, no listen, excuses. Danny, that third wrist of yours. If, oh, wait. If, four? Four. Four. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, so. But, uh, I got one I got one for uh, for qualifying on pole, and then after that, they switched it to just giving it to the race winner. So I decided I'd just start winning them. Well, listen, I, I'd hate to see you weighed down at the tests here. So if you want to bring an extra one, I'm, I'll happily wear it, and I'll tell everybody whose who's it is. Don't worry. <laughs> it looked good with the microphone, I think. I think it would. Listen, i got to ask you, though, because we've got Jordan Taylor coming on, who, who knows a fair thing about uh, racing around Daytona himself, but that's in a big car. Tell me about the last lap, and also tell me tactically, because I've watched you at the 200, and I've been there myself, and I've actually walked up that banking. Thank, thankfully, I've never ridden it, because I, I, it would scare the bejeebus out of me but um just give me an idea what it's like on a motorcycle and how you kind of go about the plan because you and Corey were going at it so what how do you go about what you're going to do because you only get one run at it yeah i mean well you know the good thing is we had 57 laps to kind of to size each other up and and you know i've uh it's not my first rodeo it's not Barney's <laughs> or, or Corey's first rodeo around that place but it was you know, I definitely sized him up. You know, after the last pit stops and when he caught me, it was it was a matter of you know working on the draft. Like you got to sit back, coming up, leading up to the chicane. You want to leave enough of a gap to to you know have that big air pocket, and you know you got to wait until the right time to really pull the trigger and uh, you know and let the throttle eat and and you got to time it just right. If you pull out too soon and you go by them too early, then that gives them a chance to to draft back by you and and so it was a matter of, of setting him up but I knew that I had I knew I had the draft set up right and then he actually threw a big curveball at me the the last lap. I think from what he had done on, on trying to size me up, he knew he couldn't out draft me to the line. So he tried to go for it and lead out of chicane, which is nearly impossible. But he stayed way high on the banking. Usually you make it about halfway through NASCAR three and four and start bringing it low on the banking. And he kept it up on the wall damn near scraping the, the paint off the bodywork <laughs> on the outside wall all the way around the NASCAR 4, and then he made his big dive down. And, you know, I think maybe it was a little a little too aggressive of a move uh, and kind of killed his RPM, and, and I did the slingshot move and just stayed up against the wall on the outside. And and he tucked back into my draft, and he nearly, he nearly had the run on me. I mean, if it had been, you know, the finish line was another couple hundred yards down, he may have had enough time to, to draft back by me, but... You know, the TOBC Racing uh, R6 motor was strong, and, and uh, he didn't quite have enough to, to draft back by me. So, you know, I, I guess I timed it just right. And uh, obviously with the help of the crew and their awesome pit stops, we were able to, to pull that one out. I love the way you describe oh, was, it. Yeah. You forgot the bit about your gonads dragging on the edge of the wall because I'm sorry, my friend, but you just described what just very few people would even attempt, never mind talk about so casually as you do. But I love the, the fact that it's just normal normal day at the office for you. Uh, it was uh, it was really cool. I mean, I think we were the only team. Uh, this race is one of the only ones we can run a two-way radio. You know, all the car guys are used to that. That's something, that, you know, every day in, the, in their job of, of car racing. But for us, that's the only race we can run a two-way radio with the team. And, and 
I guess the team was a, uh, a little surprised at how much I talked. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny there. After the last pit stop, me and Corey were going going really hard. And, you know, I'm one. I'm pretty pretty comfortable. And, and I looked around, and I'm, you know, waving at the fans and hanging out and talking to my guys on the radio. And uh, Corey finally looked over, and we had one of those two or three seconds locked eyes going around the banking at 165, 170-mile-an-hour. And... You know, so I radioed to the guys. I said, he finally looked over and acknowledged at me that we're having an awesome ride on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. And I think they, uh, <laughs> they were getting a kick out of that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And guys, order me a pizza. It's going to say, Michelle, Michelle would it not have had the headphones on. <laughs> well, the one thing we we didn't really discuss um, was if I was coming in on one or, or we actually got an inboard and they said, they said, you're coming with whenever it says in. I said, well, it'd be even better if it said out after that. Go for, you know, in and out burger, in and out Brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, nice plug. Now, listen, looking about the season ahead, um, you've had a great relationship with TOBC. Is that continuing this year? Are you coming to the test? Are, are we going to take yeah. you out for a celebratory beer? What's happening? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, first things first, we're going, uh, I'm going to do a bunch of dirt tracking this year. All the non-conflicting rounds uh, with Moto America, I'm going to go ride the American Flag track series oh, right. on the cool. Harley Davidson of Staten Island. So we've got a race in Woodstock, Georgia this coming weekend and then uh then we'll go down to the test at Austin and and you know then we get the you know the Moto American season kicked off there at Austin uh you know here in a couple weeks. Anything different yeah. for this year? Uh pretty much the same thing. The rules have changed a little bit to where we're allowed, you know, some different uh I guess different clamps and we can run uh, some different linkages on the swing arm. Um, for the shock, and so that's that's really the only big difference for for the bike um, as far as that's concerned. But uh, as with the team and everybody involved, we have all the same key players, and uh, got my the same crew chief Frank Aragaki, electronics guys James Lickwar that we've been working with, and you know Scott Harwell is pretty much uh, heading the program as team manager, and then obviously Michelle Lindsay's, uh, you know. The, the the queen of the whole operation and, and makes all the shots. So, you know, it's an awesome group of people that I get to work with and, and for them to stick with me is, is you know, incredible. And to be able to repay them with a day, another day to a 200 victory is, uh, you know, feels really good. Yeah, but you're also fulfilling that dream, man. Don't, man, don't forget that because uh, they're, they're the team that uh, never thought they could and uh, you've brought them everything they wanted. So uh, it's such a great relationship and I hope it continues. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I've really enjoyed racing for uh, for Michelle and and being a part of her program. It's uh, you know, it's a really cool story with with how everything's happened and and how she's taken over the team. And you know, it's uh, you know, it's definitely tough. It's a uh, racing's an expensive sport, and you know, as every race team is, we're trying to find the money to to really make it through the year and and be able to put the money where we need and and you know, have the best equipment that that we can get out there and and just do the best that we can. Well, Danny, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of luck. Congratulations. It was amazing to see you do that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you around uh, next week. Next week at Coda. And, and, oh, that's right. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing you guys down there next week. And uh, thanks again for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. So that's Danny, and of course, he's in Moto America. It goes from strength to strength. It's going to be a fascinating superbike year in the World Superbikes as well next year. And MotoGP should be the widest open championship. Can Ducati finally do it? Let's look forward to 2018 and two wheels. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with some four-wheel talk after this. 
Gambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Mosing Motorcars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motorcars, 2420 West Breaker Lane. Online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motorcars. Drive yourself happy. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City's Holiday Special. I'm Jonathan Green, taking you through what has been an amazing 2017 as we also look forward to what's going to happen in 2018. Well, we heard from Danny Eslick on two wheels. We turn our attention now to four wheels. And there's no question in my mind that the highlight of 2017, certainly here in America, if not around the world, was the emergence and return of McLaren to the Indy 500. But more importantly, with two-time world champion Fernando Alonso. Alonso decided to miss the Monaco Grand Prix and take part in an ambition of his, the 500. He learnt, he talked, he enjoyed, he spent the whole month of May getting himself in tune, and he almost did it. Fernando Alonso really created a stir and I think has changed both Indian Formula One for a long time to come, and long may it continue that Formula One drivers uh, and the likes of Fernando come to Indian experience this very special race. I was there, I was there for the month of May and followed Fernando around, and here's what he had to say on taking on the famous race. Amazing experience, thanks to the car, thanks to Indianapolis, thanks to the fans, 
I felt at home. I'm not American, but um, I felt really proud to, to race here. And, um, and yeah, congratulations uh, to Sato-san, uh, to Andretti. We've been sharing the last two weeks, all the meetings in the morning, the meetings in the afternoon. And uh, Takuma was a big help coming from F1 also. Uh, a lot of advices to me. So in the last two laps, I was you know, on my knees, you know, really pushing Sato, you know, so extremely happy for the final result. He's my physiotherapist, uh, Zach Brown, uh, he came with me around the world. And, uh, uh, thanks to Zach as well, to all McLaren to make this uh, possible, to make this happen. I think uh, McLaren as a company, you know, um, the success in, in IndyCar in the past, the success in Formula One, and now the, the road cars, the level they reach, you know, I think um, we need to, to feel very proud as a racing fans, as a drivers, as a journalist, you know, to have McLaren here, I think it's uh, a very good news for the sport and this is only thanks to, to Zach. We'll take a short break here on Speed City and afterwards we hear from the winner of the Indy 500 2017. The racetrack, it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City's holiday special. I'm Jonathan Green. As we look back at 2017 and look ahead to the season of 2018 coming up. Now, there's no question that Fernando Alonso stole the headlines at the Indy 500, but there was also a special footnote because the man who won the race totally deserved it. He's been around the sport from Formula One to Indy for many, many years and remains one of the most popular drivers in motor racing. I'm talking, of course, of Japan's Takuma Sato. He's been a friend of the show. I've known him since he was just a little lad of 16 years old. So to see him finally fulfill his ambition to win the 500 was very special indeed. It was a close finish and it all started a few weeks before when he smashed into the wall at over 220 miles an hour at turn two 
too and may never have entered the 500. But in the end, he came across the chequered flag and the bricks, the famous Brickyard bricks, and won the 500 to become Japan's first ever winner. Here's how he did it. When I comes, I had to give the 100% commitment. I knew I could do it, but just, you know, waiting the moment. And then uh, the last few laps, there was a moment. And uh, I know Helio is always come on charge, but he's just such a such a gentleman and with such a fair player. So uh, I believed in him, and uh, we go side by side, car one. And I just, it was jumped up. So uh, the last two laps, car walked beautifully, and I just... Well, Takuma remains, as I said, one of the most popular drivers worldwide from Great Britain, where he was, of course, in Formula One and all the way through Formula Three, uh, where he was with Carlin and winner of the Macau Grand Prix. So he's done it all. And but there's no place where he is more valued and where they will celebrate for many years to come. And that, of course, is his home of Japan. This is what it means to be able to take that win to Japan. This will be mega big. I mean, I cannot imagine how it's gonna going to be. Obviously the Motegi time it was into Japan, you know, it was it was very very good race I thought and uh, the fans very appreciate for the uh, and for me it's just personally you know home home race is always something special. But uh, nowadays a lot of Japanese uh, the fans following Indica series and particularly for the Indy five hundred, I know they flying over from Japan today and many many people came. So uh, uh, I'm I'm really proud of uh, what we achieved and team gave a superb opportunity and uh, we showed the finally the great result today so I'm, I'm very pleased about it. Well it truly was a fairy tale win for Takuma Sato and a career that is an inspiration to anybody interested in motorsport because unlike most racing drivers who start karting at let's say five and then go through the ranks, Takuma Sato didn't start until he was almost 20 years of age and he really didn't know whether he'd even make the mark. This is how he began his amazing career. As I said, I just didn't have any environment or any anyone could give you the, the chance until 19 and 20 years old. But uh, when I asked my parents, give me a chance because the school had, had the age restriction. It had to be under 20 years old. So when I saw it, I was 19. So following year, to me, the last chance and the first time, a first chance to go there. If I'm not good enough, by all means, you know, it's fair enough, I, I quit. But I just cannot stand without challenging. I couldn't quit. So uh, I was in university and doing uh, bicycle racing quite uh, seriously, but I was ready to quit everything. I just wanted to focus the racing. And uh, eventually, the Suzuka Racing School got me the scholarship, and that's, that's how we started. So I have to appreciate everyone who involved in supporting today is only because their support, you know, it's not me. I was really lucky. I want to move forward now to September and, of course, the uh, end of the indie season, which was, as always, a nail-biter. Several drivers in the hunt, but it was the young man who finally came of age and did it in style, and wow, what a future this kid's got. Joseph Newgarden is the new indie champion. We spoke to him, literally, still in his overalls, hours after winning in Sonoma, and I asked him had it really just sunk in yet you know it has just a bit um I, it took me a, a good cool down lap uh you know once i finally got to the interview process i felt like that was the time i, I felt like we'd won the championship it, you know it was something we achieved and it was over and done with so um unbelievable day you know it's so cool to be able to do this with team penske and, and it was a lot of work I, I haven't slept in the last week i'll be honest with you so i'm, I'm excited it's over and done with i'll bet 
Um, somebody asked me how exciting the race was, and I said, well, actually, it wasn't that exciting unless you were Joseph Newgarden. Um, yes. Because, um, I mean, give me an idea of, I mean, you were, I saw the interviews before the race. You looked pretty relaxed, and you said, look, I'm just going to treat it like any other race, but it wasn't any other race. It's true. I mean, you know, for me, I think that was the, the best defense is, is uh, an offense, to be honest with you. So you got to be aggressive. You got to be offensive. You got to try and uh, you got to try and just do what you've done in other races to, to win them. Um, you know, but then obviously for this race, there's also some points involved that you got to start thinking about. You got to st- you got to think about the championship. So I think my mentality going into it was treated as a normal race. And then as it starts to develop, let's start let's start playing the points out and see see what's going on, and then put you know a couple pieces together. At the beginning of the day, we heard about the change of pit crew, and we heard about you know we were wondering, all of us were wondering, all the journalists were wondering how Penske would play it with the top four up there. Uh, beforehand, how much did you know, or how much were you interested in everybody else's game in this, or was it a team effort? I mean, in other words, what did you discuss beforehand before you went out to race? Well, uh, you know, I think Team Penske is the best of the best at giving everybody a shot. You know, realistically, um, Will wasn't as in, you know, in the title race. It was going to be very difficult. I mean, crazy odds would have to happen for him to win. So I think he was somewhat removed. Um, but, you know, with Pagno and, and, and Elio, I think they, they gave us all a fair shot to at least race and try and make it happen. But at the same time, the, the goal is to bring the championship to Team Penske. And, and that was, uh, you know, that was made clear. Um, but, you know, having said that, I, I think Penske does it better than anybody at, at letting us race and letting us all have an opportunity to, to win and, and go for the championship. No, I've never seen any other team that does it like that. No, very true. i got to take you back to the beginning of the season, though, because when you signed for Penske, and, and you've been around racing a long time now, you knew that this was a golden ticket, but it was your first season. So what were your true expectations beginning of the season? Well, I think showing potential, showing work ethic, um, you know, just doing all the things I've done in the past. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very hungry guy as far as, you know, competitiveness and, and trying to work with the team and, and give them everything that I have. And I knew if I did that and I showed these guys what, you know, I, my true interests were and, and how much I put into the sport that, you know, hopefully that would be enough. Um, you know, certainly you'd want to win a couple races along the way or at least show some sort of, of uh, competitiveness, you know, that – that the team can latch onto and say, okay, we have something to build on. Uh, you know, winning a championship, that's kind of the ultimate thing. You know, if you can do that, that's, that's the best scenario possible. So I dreamed that it would happen and, and that we could do it, but just wasn't sure that it would materialize. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, uh, but I'm super, super pumped that, that it was able to go this way for the first year. i got to ask you about your relationship with Tim Sindrick because obviously he's nurtured other guys like Will Power to championships. He's a great guy to have in your corner. We talked about it last time you were on Speed City. Uh, and I met Austin um, last week at the Global Rallycross, and I hadn't really put the two or two together. But that's kind of where Tim discovered you, because you were chasing his, his kid around too. Yeah, you know, Tim's been great. He's just been super to work with. Um, you know, even today, he was, he was coaching me through a lot of what was happening and uh, making sure I was making the right decisions. So, you know, Tim, Tim deserves a lot of credit for what we achieved this year. I think he's helped me raise my game as, as a professional and, you know, I'm super thankful to him and, and everything that he's, he's brought to the table. So, 
Um, he brings me a lot of confidence and brings me comfort inside the race car. And, you know, today he made sure I was thinking about the right things. I was really happy for you where you, all your family were there. I remember when you got your first win, and that was pretty emotional. Um, how much have your family base and that sort of network of, of, of closeness you have with them been so important to getting to this point? I mean, it's critical. You know, without without my parents, I, I would never be in this position to, to race cars. They, they put everything on the line for me to make it happen and, and give me an opportunity. And then, you know, after them, it comes a, a long list of people that have, that have put their hand out or, or given advice or given me an opportunity. And, you know, that list, like I said, is very long. So uh, it's a lot of people, a lot of work, a lot of time to get to this point. Uh, but it starts with my parents. So I was, I was very emotional about that in Victory Lane that we were all able to share this together. Well, look, I want to get to the nitty-gritty of it because when Pagano came out of the pit lane, it was great because Townsend Bell and uh, Paul Tracy called it perfectly. They said, look, th this, this could be close. This could be really close now. Now, you knew that too, but as you came out, he was in front of you and you went right behind him. What were your thoughts at that point? Were you trying to think, okay, I'm going to go and try and get over past him or, or what? What were you thinking? I mean, I'll be honest, my instincts started to come out. I was like, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to do something to get by him. And, uh, you know, that's just the racer in me. I think, you, you know, you go for an opportunity. And, uh, you know, like I said, Tim was coaching me through that. You know, I think he, he watched what I was doing and he made sure to tell me what the big picture was and what we were focused on for today. So, you know, I tried a couple different things with Pagano, but tried to be safe with it as well. Uh, it looked close at times, but I was trying to be cautious. So uh, I, I definitely went for it. It just wasn't able to work out fully. And at the end of the day, Pagano wasn't who we were racing. You know, we were racing Scott Dixon, and, and we were in the position to, to be where we needed to be to win the championship. And, and Tim really made sure I was thinking about that. How nervous were you about using the push to pass? You hardly used it, so you could have gone more aggressive. I think I only used like five seconds of it during the race, <laughs> so I barely touched it. Um, you know, now that you say that, I, I had nearly full push to pass left once that race was done. And, uh, you know, we were on a totally different strategy. I mean, uh, you know, Simon was on a much more aggressive, um, risky strategy that, you know, for him, he had to be on. You know, for him to win the championship, he had to win the race, and he had to rely on people not finishing well. So he went with the aggressive strategy. It worked out today, you know. I mean, I think we still had the ability to beat him, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, that, that strategy worked for him with the way it all played out. And for us, we had to play the more – stable, um, you know, less aggressive strategy. And we, we were really looking to cover Scott. Scott was the guy that we had to make sure we covered. And, and I had some pretty good wingmen to help me out today with, with Will and, and Elio making sure that we did get it done. And, and even Simon, uh, Simon too, for, for that matter. So uh, it was just a different strategy. And, you know, it's great that Simon was able to win the race. And, you know, the ultimate goal of us winning the championship happened too. So it was a perfect day. Well, and I think the other Penske boys, and they've had so much success, uh, have realized and, and now got the respect uh, over the season, and I think you've just capped it off. Um, finally, you know, you are young, and I know this is what you've always wanted, but everybody's been saying it. Certainly the journalists kind of look that way to, we want an American, a young American, a marketable American that can lead the series and represent the series. I mean, do you feel that you're ready to take on that mantra because you know what attention you're going to get now? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do the best that I can. You know, I'll, I'll do the best job of flying the flag, uh, trying to represent the series, 
um, you know, to me, I've always preached that we've got the best of the best from around the world, and we have to have that from a driver's standpoint. You know, you want good drivers from from all places overseas, uh, but you also got to have great homegrown talent. You know, people want Americans in the sport doing well, so we've got to have the best of American talent too, and we got to have them succeeding. Uh, but if we didn't have all the other people from around the world, it, you know, would make it a lot less meaningful. So, you know, I take a lot of pride that we have the best of the best from from all over the place, and. You know, being an American in it, um, you know, that's personal pride. But, you know, like I said, we got to be a real well-rounded series, and I'll, I'll try and express that and uh, hopefully fly the flag for Americans and, and make everybody proud. Well, listen, all the fans of Speak City are delighted for you. We're delighted for you. Thank you so much. I think you should pick up the phone to a Honda, a guy called uh, Fernando Alonso, and say, hey, buddy, I got one championship. Come join me next year. I need some competition. I think he's thinking about it, man. You never know what could happen. Hey, good luck, and uh, best of luck next season. We'll be tuning in. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Go and get some rest if you can. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So a fantastic end to the season for Joseph Newgarden, and what a future he has ahead of him. And next year, it's going to be really, really interesting as we look ahead to 2018. New teams, new driver lineups, Joseph as the champion, Scott Dixon trying to get another one, and of course, several driver changes for next year. But the big, big news is the British are coming, and I mean that, no question about it. Carlin is finally taking the jump to go to IndyCar, and with Max Chilton and with Charlie Kimball, we have a full British entry from the Carlin experts who've pretty much won in every other category they've raced in. So it should make for a very interesting 2018. So stay tuned for that. We'll have all the information right here on Speed City. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Bozick Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at mosingmotorcars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. Hey, Austin, wake up and fly right on Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Hey everyone, welcome back to Speed City's holiday special here for 2017. Looking back to what has been an amazing year and we look ahead to 2018. Now, speaking of Carling Motor Racing, they have another young driver in their midst and he is an American. Just 17 years of age, a Formula 4 champion already, but now in Europe and now taking on the might of Formula 3. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do with Carlin Racing. His his name, Cameron Das. Now, this young American is going places. He's got the right team behind him in Carlin. He's in Europe. He's already had victories under his name. And he is definitely one for the future. And when I say one for the future, think Alexander Rossi, think Joseph Newgarten, because this kid has it all. We spoke to him at the end of his season. 
Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? As doing you can well. tell, we're, we're pretty excited. Happy we're excited, holidays. Excited hey. to have you on the show. <laughs> okay, now now here's what I like about Cameron. You know, I, I feel like I'm pretty good over there at like K1 speed. We've got a K1 speed <laughs> here. It's electric. It's concrete. You know, zipping around, filling the Gs. Somehow, Cameron's taking it from there to the real racetrack in very short order. There you go. Cameron, that's a good lead-in. Tell us about your, your path from karting to badassery. Yeah, so as you mentioned with electric karting, I actually started at a chain called Autobahn Indoor Speedway. Nice. Uh, and that, that happened about okay. three years ago, almost, almost exactly. Um, and I went there basically with a friend. Just to, you know, We were both in the cars. And we wanted to prove to each other which one was the fastest. And it turned out that I was the fastest. And, and uh, some of the employees took notice and wanted me to, to keep coming there and come to the, their, their adult league. Ended up winning an adult league. And shortly after, I was in the Bernal Roost Racing School. And then maybe not even not even a year later, I was in the F4 championship. Um, and the rest is history. Wow. So yeah, before you go too far, though, Cameron, I'm also, I mean, I was a carter too. And how much do you weigh? Because <laughs> I've done those electric carts, and I would have thought in the adult league, yeah, you would wipe up. But <laughs> well, that's not going to take away from what we're going to talk about in a minute, which is your <laughs> F4 career. Go, go ahead. That was the excuse all my competitors had. <laughs> I told you. But... <laughs> I would say I had a disadvantage because I had less grip. There you go. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, go. good. You had a line. Yeah. That's good. Of yeah. course he did. I guarantee you but, probably heard by that. By the way, this is coming from a bitter old man who used to race nine-year-olds <laughs> on cart circuits and say exactly that and get my ass kicked by them. But uh, let's get to the seriousness of it. You do have a unique career, Cameron. I, I, I'm excited to talk to you because you are the real deal. Uh, we're looking for the next Alexander Rossi. We're looking for the next Santino Ferrucci. And you may well be it because you're going on that classic route. Um, and like you said, you haven't been karting since you were five. Uh, like a lot of these kids have, you came in this way, which I think is fascinating. But since you got into what I would call serious motor racing, you've got serious. Tell us about your F4 career uh, and how that was got to be a meteoric rise for you. Yeah, that was that was a really good experience for me. I mean, they have such a good platform. Uh, they had Honda, which is a really good uh, a backing. They had Onrook, they had Pirelli, uh, they had the SCCA and even the FIA behind it. So it's such a good platform to get started on. And it's exactly what the U.S. needed to get drivers or American drivers in particular over into Europe. What about that? How hard was it? I mean, like I said, you're a kind of an inspiration to anybody listening who wants to kind of follow this or whose father is listening and thinks, hey, you know, maybe I can take my, my kid down to K1. Um, I mean, how hard or was Autobahn it? To- Speedway. Come on, yeah, let's get right, right for this Speedway. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, K2. There's a whole bunch of them out there. But um, tell us, uh, how hard was it to make that tr- tr- transition to Slicks and Wings? Uh, it, w- it was definitely difficult. Um, I had several coaches in my career, one of which being Dennis Macchio, who uh, has been running the Bernal Roost School for quite a long time. Um, and so he kind of transitioned me into slicks and wings, uh, starting with the 1600 before the, uh, the U- USF4 season started. Um, and, but really, it's just physics. Uh, if, if you study it enough then it's not that complicated to understand it just becomes uh more innate the more you practice it and so luckily before the f4 car was available in early 2016 i did some testing in other scca pro classes such as uh s1600 and and formula atlantic um but i think that really prepared me well for the start of the f4 season you know you talk about taking classes and understanding is yeah it's just physics you know i think of 
I think of the old time race guys used to learn to drive and it was all by the seat of their pants and all experience. But uh, I think nowadays that's not going to get you there. I think you, you just mentioned it where you, you actually understand, you, you learn how the car, how, how about weight transfer and everything else. And, and how much of that does play into you becoming better at what you do? Well, I think that's, that's exactly the reason why I was able to jump in a car so quickly is because I had a fundamental understanding of physics before I started racing. And I was able, able to basically just fill in the gaps uh, with basically math and science uh, rather than, than using previous, previous experience over you know years of karting. Um, I mean, certainly there are things that are hard to, to be natural or to find naturally unless you just have experience. So that's something I'm working on, especially when it comes to racecraft. But when it comes to driving, it's just kind of a, a, a lot of calculations that you're doing in your head. It's interesting, you know, the, the the one thing, Cameron, that really made me sit up looking at your career career path is what you did this year because Trevor Carlin is a good friend of mine and I know that anybody who drives for him, and I'm talking Ricardo, Vettel, uh, you name it, uh, this uh, next year it's going to be Norris, it's going to be Sete Camera, who I was with both in Macau uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I know Trevor Carlin doesn't mess about with, with fools, so to speak. Um, you have, how did you meet with him and how did that come together? Um, I actually got introduced to Carlin through uh, Brian Herda, the IndyCar team owner, uh, because he heard that I w had an interest in going over to Europe, and his son, Colton Herda, yep. was doing exactly what I planned to do um, with Carlin. So he, he introduced me, and uh, so I went over there uh, mid midway through the season in F4 to do a bit of testing so that they could evaluate me. It went really well, and uh, they're a really good operation, very professional, and uh there's no doubt about it. They have some of the quickest cars on the planet. But also, if you are serious about, and we all are, I mean, I mean I'm not, not being funny. I don't want to overemphasize this, but the whole reason for Speed City is that we are looking for the next American to make it to Formula One um, because we think that, that we've got the track here in our backyard. We've now got the Haas team. We're keeping a watchful eye. We, our first guest on the show is Alexander Rossi. My point being, you are taking that classic route of leaving America as a teenager to go and... Mix it with the ver the very best and the very elite of motor racing. I mean, is the plan Formula One for you? Yes. The plan uh, right from the beginning has been F1. I love IndyCar, and that would certainly be a goal of mine as well. But the primary goal at the moment is Formula One. And uh, I'm getting really good experience on the tracks that they race over in Europe. I'd love to get a chance to maybe even potentially in this new F3 uh, to race at Coda next year. But uh yeah, it's, it's the path I'm, I'm pursuing at the moment, yeah. I, I like the way he quickly, yeah. no equivocation whatsoever. John, write, yes. his, write his number down, okay? Yeah. Yeah. We are going to be keeping in touch with Cameron Das <laughs> and telling the world of his feats. Yes. You're 17 right now, Cameron. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so what? talk about the path now. You know, you've won the F4 championship. You're moving into F3. What's the dream future right now? So uh, in 2018, uh, I'm going to do a full season in Euro Formula F3, working at a deal with a, a team I'm, uh, I'll be very happy to race for if, if it all goes through. Uh, and I'll have an announcement uh, about that shortly, hopefully. And you'll be making that uh, announcement on Speed City, of course. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we, we will see. We will see. Uh, but then after a full season of Euro Formula, as long as I, I do well and I'm successful, which I'm, I'm working very hard to, to be able to do that, um, I want to go to International F3. 
uh, in 2019 with the the new car, which is I think going to have the halo as well. Um, it should be a very competitive championship considering it's the first year of a new car and a lot of drivers are going to want to get a piece of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. The only bad news you got in two years is you're going to be meeting me at the Macau Grand Prix. Actually, that's not bad news at all because you're just going to love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard so many good things about Macau and I, I watched it this year. It's just a crazy It was place. pretty dull, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's scary. crazy. <laughs> Is there anybody that's an idol or that you want to emulate or a favorite driver? Oh, that's hard to say. Cause there's a lot of drivers who have, have made headways in the sport. But, um, you know, I only actually started watching racing um, in 2014 when I started racing. So uh, it's basically guys that I'm watching racing at the moment that are the most inspirational because I've actually had a chance to watch them. Uh, but I'd say um, uh, I've really enjoyed Daniel Ricciardo uh, for his personality and, and his perseverance in the sport. Um, he's, he's quite an impressive driver as well. I mean, his track record, considering he's not in the quickest car this year, uh, I think is, is quite remarkable. Do you, think he should, do you think he should stay where he is or go to Ferrari? <laughs> um, I think my, my strategy is always to go with the quickest car that's available to you, but you never know. Red Bull, uh, with, with a man like Adrian Newey, uh, behind the the engineering it it could be the quickest car next year for all we know it's just really relying on power units at the moment I know, you know, I was I was putting you on the spot there, but you're right. That is exactly right. And you th I love the way you're thinking because you know that uh, getting through Formula 3 is a minefield anyway, which is your plan for the next two years. Um, but also that next step into F2, uh, Indy Lights, possibly Indy itself, um, um, GP3, which will be uh, F3, of course. Um, it's a bit of a minefield. I'm just looking at the Abu Dhabi Times now. Um, you know, Santino Ferrucci in top six, Arjun Miney, who's also a Haas, um, uh, you know, um, test driver. Would you go that route as well? Would you try to get yourself connected with a team uh, in Formula One, even if it was just by name in terms of a, of a reference, like a, you know, official test driver like Norris is uh, and Arjun Miney and uh, Santino Ferruccio are with Haas? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Formula One's as much about, or getting to Formula One is as much about connections as it, as it is about skills. So, um, if I can get associated with a team early on, that would be great. Um, I think that only helps uh, myself in terms of branding, but it, it might also help uh, with more connections as well through through uh, maybe simulators or, or meeting engineers that, who knows, maybe they'll be at a different team. But, yeah, that would certainly be beneficial. One thing that's just sort of not bugging me, but amazing me, if you will, you're from Balt Baltimore, right, originally? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, like you say, you've only started watching motor racing, what, Three years ago, um, I mean, is your what is your father? What is your mother? What what is what does the family yeah. say about a young kid from the states who's supposed to be at high school um, talking about aspirations of racing in Barcelona next year, for example? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's all taken our family by surprise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all we're all very much a racing family now. We all watch racing. We all <laughs> love racing. We're we're constantly at a, at a track one way or the other. But um, yeah. It's, it's not a normal path for sure, and it, it's happened much faster than I think most people are used to. So it's certainly been a learning curve, not just for myself, but for them as well. But um, we certainly can't complain. It's, it's definitely a dream come true. I got a question for you that's kind of related to this, and that is, you know, Liberty Media now owns Formula One, and they're making all these changes and uh, bringing some things that are a little American into the sport and bringing social media 
obviously the holy grail of trying to grow a sport is to start with the younger audiences and you fit the demographic perfectly so what, what do we need to be doing yeah what are some you know what if liberty media were listening right now what are suggestions from a 17 year old american to help grow the sport go racing and formula one specifically in the united states well i think what you said about social media is exactly what we need to do because I can tell from experience, uh, kids my age are on their phone maybe 400 times a day. <laughs> so if you if you target marketing towards people my age, they're going to find it interesting, but they have to see it first. And I know a lot of my friends, even though uh, they're familiar sort of with racing because I'm a part of it, uh, they just don't know enough about it to even become interested about it. And I think if they, they had more exposure to it through through advertising, especially through social media, they would have the chance to actually uh, learn a thing or two about it, and um, and maybe they even get hooked on it and watch a race. Boom. Okay, so there it is. So I'm taking notes here. Liberty Media, social media, mm. advertising, raise the budget, get Daniel Ricardo because he's funny and great driver. All right. Got well, it. And also, uh, hats off to you, my friend. Uh, your website, excellent. I mean, the way you're <laughs> purveying yourself and your sponsors, uh, very, very impressive. I'd take much note uh, of guys good because, point, yeah. well, because it, it, no, it's, it's a huge part. Uh, and there's 200 guys, and, you know, I don't need to tell Cameron this. There's two, two or 3,000 guys who are very, very fast but the guys who make it like daniel ricardo have something special have something different and also can sell themselves this is a big part of the package uh, and cameron it seems like already you've got some good advice here um, and you've got some, you, you know you're well aware of of what it takes yeah certainly there's there's a lot more to it than just being quick so uh the more you can show that through social media the i think the easier it is to differentiate yourself from from all the rest well, I'm so excited for you. I, oh, I tell yeah. you what, my, you know, I've, I'm already kind of seeing seeing into the future and hoping that you you're the guy that shows up at Coda and we all go. I, I remember well, when it was I a would... full moon in Austin <laughs> back in you know back in December of uh, whatever, uh, and you're the guy. Cameron, when will we see you here? In Austin, you bet. Uh, well, I, I hope to maybe do hmm. one or two, or maybe even more uh, American F3 races. Yeah, if, if a sponsorship allows for that. Uh, but yeah, Coda would definitely be a top priority of mine. It's been a, a track on my bucket list uh, ever since I started racing. And I got a chance to actually go to the F4 race uh, on the F1 weekend this year. And it was just, it was so exciting to watch. Uh, and I really hope that F4 or F3 gets a chance to go there next year. Uh, and I'd really like to be a part of that. Well, I'll tell you what, I was talking with the guy last night who's in charge of the F4 series. And we have our own fleet of F4s here at Coda now. So uh, maybe we can okay. at least get you down for the weekend and some barbecue. How's that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, hey, on a serious question, what about, um, I mean, obviously you you are, you know, the the, the, the blue-eyed boy of the, the F4 series having absolutely dominated it. Carl Kirkwood did the same. But what about uh, the American F3? What's the buzz amongst your peers and, and, and those that, you know, that you rub shoulders with uh, about uh, the future for F3 Americas uh, here in the States? Well, they're kind of beating all the other national F3 championships uh, to, you know, the new the new FIA specs yep. uh, for 2019. They're going to include a halo, which even though it's controversial, it's it's the way the yep. sport's going. So if, if F3 is doing it, then they're ahead of the curve there. Or if American F3 is doing it, they're ahead of the curve. Uh, so, yeah, it's really just it's going to prepare 
anyone who is thinking about the international three, when the new car comes, it's going to prepare them that much more than, uh, than any other national championship. Well, Cameron, we really appreciate you coming on Speed City. Uh, very excited to be following your career in American with the ladder you're on and the path you're choosing. We're, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Before he goes, let's tell the world of listeners where to find him. So let Cameron do that in his own words. Where do we find you on social media and, and all things Cameron? Sure. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Cameron Doss. Uh, on Facebook, it's Cameron Doss Racing, and I have a website, uh, CameronDoss.com. Awesome. Cameron, thank you so much. Appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you, guys. Thanks for Travel coming safe. on. Happy Christmas, my friend. Thank you. See ya. So congratulations to Cameron. Definitely a name to look out for in the future. Congratulations to the former Formula 4 champion. And talking of Formula 4 champions, let's turn our attention now to Formula 1. Because during the Formula 1 weekend, I was joined by the F4 current champion, that of course, Kyle Kirkwood, who is another American on the up and up and also turning into a very good commentator. Here he is with me at the final moments of the Formula One Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas as Max Verstappen pulls off probably the move of the season. And to join me for this last lap, a man who knows all about one shot, Kyle Kirkwood, delighted to have you. Can Max make a move on Mike Raikkonen? And if so, where? Honestly, the best place he's going to be able to have a chance is on that back straight. Yep. They catch so much down into there, he can break so late. Well, he did it on Botas on exactly that straight and exactly that point. But look how close he's got. He's certainly within DRS. He might even have a go at 11 and surprise him. Yeah, you, you know what, you're right. But he did a very good move on Botas. When he went down into there, he looked right, led him on. Botas went to the right, and he shot down to the inside. Now, look at that. There's lap traffic, so. Well, no, it's, oh. it's actually a big battle in front of both of them. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if they can work together. But this is Max. He's going to have one chance, and it's going to be here. Kyle Kirkwood, the current American F4 champion and a winner already this weekend. And looking now to see if Max can do it. But this is his chance. We're going to find out pretty soon. He's right. Right there through 15, 16, they're side by side, he's going to try up the inside, nobody does that except Max Verstappen, Hamilton wins again, another brilliant fourth win in a row as he heads towards his fourth title wow. and Max Verstappen has come from the back to take Raikkonen on the last lap, a superb, superb run by Max Verstappen, what an overtake. Kyle Kirkwood, I think that impressed you. Wow, I, I just don't even know what to say right now. I've never seen somebody do that down the inside, especially on a last lap move like that. You know how hard that is, especially at one of the hardest corners in Formula One. Here it is, at 15, he thought about it, turned in slightly. Take it over, Kyle. Wow, he's going into here, he looks down the inside, He's giving him room. He goes over the curb, uses all the track possible, and he gets away with the with the run down into 19. That's really an amazing pass, and you don't see that ever. Way to go to get a podium. And, well, everybody says he's a future world champion, and the Dutch fans that have followed him around the world. There, Lewis. Beautiful work, mate. Excellent drive there. Woo Great job, guys. Oh, that was so much fun today. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. To all the fans, thanks for all the support. Yeah, great work yourself, Lewis. Oh, Mercedes, world champions. And there you go, yes. Confirmation that Mercedes are the Constructors' world champions. And that is a big footnote of today's Austin Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton is not yet... 
Well, as we all know, Lewis Hamilton did go on to win both the Drivers' Championship and Mercedes winning the Constructors' Championship in Austin, Texas. So that's our holiday special for 2017. But really, it's just a tease to what will be happening in 2018. If we start with Formula One, what a year that's going to be. Can Lewis defend his title? Will Vitaly Botas come back strong? Will Ferrari threaten to leave? Will they get stronger? Will Raikkonen find get a season or will Red Bull pump out a really good car with Adrian Newey and Ricardo and Verstappen will be the men to beat or will force India continue to put pink faces on their pink cars and give everybody else pink faces as they definitely punch above their weight there's so many great stories for next year and what of Liberty themselves Liberty Media are very much in charge of Formula One and already it's getting controversial as the old school take on the new Liberty structure so lots of new stories Lots of things to think about for Formula One. MotoGP, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, has a huge season as well. It's going to be wide open. Marc Marquez trying to defend his title. But will Dovi finally take Ducati to another world title? Who knows? And will Yamaha, Suzuki and many others play a part. WEC starts its special super season. So much to come from sports car racing as it changes and metamorphosizes as well as IMSA. So many new great entries in that series. So it's lots to look forward to for the 2018 season. And if you're a listener to Speed City, we have some seriously interesting news coming in the new year. So stay tuned, folks. Happy holidays. We'll see you next time from Jonathan Green. We'll be back next time in 2018. Happy holidays. Take whatever comes. We'll go flying down the highway with my arm around you singing bow on the road. It feels just like it's... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.